0: Grab your whips, grab your chains. This week we are talking about taming a wild beast. This isn't one you're gonna find at the circus, but it's one that that destroys lives and has evolved into a monstrosity. I'm Pastor Jason Barnett and this is the Dirt Pastorman Podcast. with you the book of James, we're continuing part two of our series, Things to Think About. And as I shared with you last week, I'm going to be repeating two quotes that you're going to become sick of the time this series is over. Uh, the first one is from a pastor named Kevin, was Kevin Myers. And it became a Facebook meme that was popular among us and women, uh, because it's true. And that statement that he he said says simply this, I am your pastor, not your politician. And if you come here and you're expecting me as your pastor to tell you who you should vote for and how you should vote, then you have come to the wrong truth, because that's not who I am, that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to share with you the Word of God, because that is the standard by which we as Christians are to live our lives by. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he writes in, to the Philippian church, he says, he tells them, You are to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. That means live your life worthy of the calling that Jesus has called out to you. And that's more of what I'm concerned about. When it comes to voting, when it comes to your everyday life, when it comes to the, the things we as a church do together, my biggest concern is are we conducting our lives in a way that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because it's the power, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that has the power to transform hearts and lives to set the captives free. That's what my concern is. Now, with that being said, today we are, we are going to be looking at James chapter 3. And we're going to be asking ourselves the question, what does this have to do with the 2020 election? Because I do, even though you're not going to you how to vote or who vote for it, I do think that when it comes to elections and our right to, to vote as, as believers, there are things that we need to consider as we head to the voting booth. Because they are important. So James chapter 3, and I would begin reading at verse 1 and down through verse 12. And this is what it says. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths and forces to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the title of today's message is Taming the Keyboard. And we're trying to figure out what does this passage have to do with the 2020 presidential election? So we're going to kind of go back, back through that. And, and for us to be able to answer that question, we first have to understand what it is James, the apostle, is writing to his audience, to the church of his time. So we have to kind of unwrap what he's trying to say to them and then figure out how that applies to you and I. Let's face it, the authors of the Bible, the Holy Spirit inspired them to write it, but they wrote it not thinking that you and I would be reading it 2,000 years later. God, but the apostle did. So when we read scripture, we, that's what's what's so amazing about scripture. It's 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 an ancient book, yet somehow when we read it, the words come alive with the power of the Holy Spirit to connect to where we are right now in our world and our time of understanding. So that means let's go back to a little bit slower. So verses one and two it says, "Not any of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, and if anyone is never a fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check." It's very important for you to, for you to take note of, and for us to take note of the fact that. James is warning that not everybody should strive to be a teacher in the church. The reason being is, teachers get judged a little bit stricter. It's not that we, the teachers of the church, get judged by a different standard than everybody else. The standard doesn't change just because you're the pastor or because you're a church board member or a Sunday school teacher. No, it's the same standard as everybody else, but we can judge more strictly. Why? Because our words influence other people. People come to us listening to what we are instructing them from the Word of God, and they take it to heart, and they live their lives according to what we say. It's whether we're right or wrong. That's a heavy weight, that's a heavy burden for us to to shoulder it's one we can't do alone. And it requires the Holy Spirit being active in our lives. So, the standard we get judged by isn't a different standard as teachers, it's the same one as everybody else. We're just going to be judged a little bit more strictly. Because, why? Because the way we, the things that we say, the things that we teach direct other people. Now let's also face it: not not everyone who in the church is seeking to be a teacher is seeking to be a teacher for the right reason, are they? I know some who have made made the decision to become a pastor simply because they didn't think they'd have to work very much. What well, were they wrong? <laughs> I mean, some see it as an opportunity to be able to share their opinions and. Make sure that their voice is heard. But that's not what we're called to do as teachers, is it? We're called to share what God says. What God's trying to communicate to us. So when James writes this, this is a warning. This is a warning to those who might seek to be teachers in the church for the wrong reason. He's letting them know, hey, if you're thinking about being a teacher, it's not all of... Glorious. It's not all wonderful. You know, I, I used to really enjoy, as an associate, doing pulpit supply at other churches. The main reason was, I would go to that other church, and I could say whatever I wanted from the pulpit, you know, as long as it was with God's word. But then, the I went home. I didn't have to deal with it. I could smack you in the face with the word, and just get, help. Oh, that's good enough. See you later. But when you're the pastor, and you smack people in the face with the word, you got to stay there and deal with it in the aftermath <laughs> And what you said amended people, you're gonna to have to deal with them being upset whether it's true or not. But when you're a pulpit's flight, you leave. <laughs> so there's a warning. If you're doing it for the wrong reason, don't do it because you're going to be judged by a different standard. If God's calling you to teach, if God's calling you to instruct others through his word, then by all means, you do not stoop to do anything else. But if he is not calling you to be a teacher of his word, do not, then do not take that burden on for yourself. Because it's not one God is calling you to carry. Now, the reason another reason why the, the, the teachers are judged more harshly, uh, and I said, of course, because our words carry influence. But as a teacher, you naturally just share more words, right? To really instruct somebody else, you have to talk, you have to move your mouth and words just come out. And the longer you speak, the more opportunities you get to speak, the more, the, the higher the chances, the higher the probability becomes that you might say something that's incorrect and falsely influence somebody. That's why teachers are best du- stricter. Because we have, to take, we have to take a hold of every word that we say. We have to try, And that's not an easy task. And sometimes it's not even that you said something wrong, it's not even that you were wrong when you said it. Sometimes people just get offended because they heard it, they didn't like what you had to say. But you still have to deal with the consequences of that. And believe it me, it's discouraging. When someone comes to you and you know you shared the truth of God's word, and they tell you, though no, you should have said that. As a matter of fact, at one time I got I I, I sat down with an older them and he said, Jason, your preaching's too harsh. I'm like, what what now? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're upset with me, then the problem is really not with me because God's the one that told me to preach from this these passages. So but okay. And to be honest it hurts. So don't be a teacher unless God's calling you. Now that, that's kind of James's whole premise of this section. He's saying, you know, don't do this unless God's calling. Continuing on, verses three through eight it says, when we put bits into the mouths of the horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Our words have the power to burn down the entire village. They may not physically light the whole world on fire, but boy, if you say the wrong thing or you say the wrong thing to the wrong person, boy, you got the consequences are, or something else. Think about how many friendships in your life have been ruined simply because of what someone said? That's how powerful the human tongue is. And when Paul is using, oh wait, Paul, when James is using the word tongue here, he's not talking about necessarily the, the physical body part, he's talking about the words that you and I use. Our words have the power to bring down words. And what I find fascinating, and and we we see all these examples of of the different animals that mankind has been able to tame, right? That's that's the example he gives to us. That kind of goes all the way back to our creation in Genesis where where God gave us the authority and dominion over all of the earth. And out of that, you and I as human beings, we've been able to really, there's not really any animals that we can't really control, is there? To an extent, there's a few, but most of them, we we have the power to direct them and and get them to go where we want to, and if if not, we just use weapons and get rid of them, right? But while, while we have this power over the world and over God's creation, as the stewards of it, And while we've been able to tame all these wild beasts and all these different creatures, the one thing we haven't been able to learn to control and to put a harness on is our own mouths. I cannot tell you how many times in school I spent time in the hallway because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. Our words have have, have the power to burn down whole villages. So well, James is getting at, the point behind what he's sharing in the text here, and all through all these examples of the power of the human tongue, is that the words that we use are a reflection of what's really in our heart. The words that we use are a reflection of what really is in our hearts. And so so often, what really gets us in trouble, it's not the words that we have time to think about and say, it's the words that we are using to react to a situation. Someone offends you, someone says something to you, and then we react and we use words. Is your natural reaction, your use of words, is it honoring to God or dishonoring to God? if the words that you're using are not honoring to God, then it's a reflection that somewhere in your heart there is still some type of sin that has a hold of you in your life and it needs to be dealt with. The words that we use reflect who is really in control of our lives. Is it, is it the Spirit of God or is it us? Is it the fires of hell? On this it. A heart that is ruled by sin—it is destined to vomit out a train wreck. It's going to say things that hurt people intentionally. It's going to say things to, to cause destruction. It's going to cause things that bring harm and and, and 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 conflict. And it's not going to reflect the image of God. Continuing on. Verses 9 through 12. It says, with the the tongues we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear fruits? Neither they neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So Paul, James goes on. James goes on to to share some contrasting different things. Can a spring that is salt water, or can a spring shoot out both salt water and fresh water? The answer is no. Can a can a fig tree bear olives? No. <laughs> Yet with our mouths, we as one mouth we profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, and then the next moment we're running down our neighbor. With our mouth professing to be followers of Jesus Christ and have the Spirit of God living in us and breathing life into us, and then the next moment someone offends us and we cuss them out or defriend them on Facebook. And James tells us this should not be so. This should not be the way it is as it Christians. well our tongue reveals, the worst choices that we use. What it reveals is a double-mindedness in us. And that double-mindedness is the flesh warring against the spirit inside of us. And our tongue is being controlled by really who's at at the helm of our heart. And if it's sin, out comes the train wreck. You might be able to hide it for a little while. You might be able to... Pretend and, and say the right things for a moment, but when the, when the time really comes and you're really put to the test, and you're, you're either acting or reacting to a situation, your true nature, of your heart, will be revealed in that moment through the choice of your words. And as Christians, cursing others and praising God should not come from our it should not be both coming from our lips. James is telling us that we as Christians should be different. Our mouths and our tongues should not be ruled by the fires of hell, but they should be harnessed through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's telling us our tongues should not be inconsistent with our beliefs, nor should our tongue be attacking those who offend us. What he's saying is silence is better than sinning. So often what happens is someone has upset us, they've offended us, and we feel like we have to make we have to, we have to make our voices heard, we need to let them hear us. And so we say slanderous things, we say mean things and cruel things and things that the people of God should never utter from their lips, and then we think God's okay with it. But in that moment we're not reflecting God, we're reflecting the world. In that moment, we're better off being silent. You say, Jason, that's impossible. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was taken and beaten for no apparent reason. He was brought before some kangaroo courts. They had nothing to keep Jesus on. They had no charges that were actually valid against him. But at no point does Jesus ever speak up and say, no, you're wrong. No, you've got all wrong. Not, not one time does Jesus say that, does he? He stands there in silence. Because he knows the truth is the truth, whether it's said or not. And he knows the fact of the matter is that God created every human being in his image. And within the very DNA, the fabric of every human, is this basic understanding of what really is right and what is really wrong. And those people that were convicting Jesus in that moment knew they were wrong, they knew they were lying, and it didn't matter whether Jesus said the truth or not, they had So he was better off just being quiet. Silence is better than sinning. So what does this have to do with the 2020 election? Words still matter. Just because it's an election year does not mean that our words have suddenly lost their value or their purpose. Our words still have value, they still have meaning. Up to this point, over the next few weeks, we are going to see political candidates say every nasty thing they possibly can about the other person. We're going to see the party, of the, uh, the opposite party of that candidate. They're going to say every nasty and cruel and, and terrible thing about that person that they can think of to try and help their side win. We're going to see both parties rise up and they're going to say awful and nasty things about the other one to try and make sure that their party comes out ahead. not to be you and I. Because our words as followers of Jesus Christ still matter. We still have to conduct our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. That means the words that you and I choose to use need to be ones that reflect the power of God living inside of us. Yes, I know that other person may be an idiot. But we don't need to tell them that. Yes, we live in a country where we have the freedom freedom of speech. We can say whatever it is we want. But you and I as believers understand something. That means you and I, we also have the freedom to keep our mouths shut. It's like that old phrase your mom used to tell you. If you can't say nothing like nice, then don't say nothing at all. So often we feel like we have to say something. That we have to be right and make sure the other person knows we're right so we start talking and we can do whatever it takes. Before you know it, we've dug a hole for ourselves. Reminds me of my younger brother He used to say when he had a girlfriend problems once. He said, I don't need I don't need to shuffle big holes, I have words. But that's what we do. We use our words to dig holes. Now now understand something else. In 2020, our tongue has evolved. It no longer is just this thing that's in our face that helps us spew out words, it has evolved now to where it encompasses also our fingers. We have this thing called a keyboard, right? We can use it to type what? Words. Whether it's it's a computer keyboard, whether it's your, your mobile phone keyboard, we still have the ability to use words. it still matters. days using my computer you know and I finally got to a spot where I felt like he won because he had no response about what I was saying I was like yeah and
1: it was in that moment I was like yeah when the Holy
0: Spirit came to say, Jason what did you win you spent three days arguing with this guy about a point that doesn't even really matter neither one of you did anything to glorify my kingdom because you were too busy arguing with each other how many times does that happen to us in the church? Right? We have a mission to do. We're called to go and see the lost saved, the captives set free, but we get distracted by something someone else said, and we end up fighting and arguing with each other, and using hurtful words and hurtful things, and causing all these divisions in the church, because we're distracted from what really matters. And that's what you and us believers have to remember. The Our words still matter. The call of God still matters. The mission is still the same. We are to live our lives and conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even in the things we post on social media. One of the benefits of having a keyboard now is we get a hide after we say what we say, right? We get a hide. Let's face it, sometimes the things we post on social media, if we said it to drag you to the person's face, what would happen? He said, yeah, they'd punch you in the face. But because we have social media now, we can post whatever we want and just walk away and not have to deal with it, right? They're not, they're not actually right there for us to have a conversation, but we can't see the hurt feelings or the destruction we have caused in our lives, so since we can't see it, we don't really know what's happening, I guess it's not our problem then, right? No, God still cares. God's still going to hold you accountable for what you post and what you said. Remember at the beginning of this passage where James says, you know, not everybody should be teachers. Well unfortunately because of places like Google and Bing and whatever search engine you want to use, Yahoo. And with a click of a button or a press of a thumb, we can have any kind of information that we want. Answer to any of life's difficult questions. We're all experts. We're what? Teachers? <laughs> we consider ourselves all teachers. And then we go in there and post. really, Because we read an article on Wikipedia. me we think we're an expert now. Let me, let me ask you something. If you were to go to the doctor, and, and, and they're about to put you under for surgery, and they said, well, hey, I, I've never done this before, but I read an article about it on Wikipedia. Would you let that doctor operate on you? No. Yet here we are sometimes we think we know everything because we, we read we read the article, we read the news article, we read the newspapers, we read Wikipedia, we have everything that we know, right? And we think we're qualified to post and into or we or we know the other person well enough to speak into their lives in that moment and share something very harshly with them. In reality we don't. No, we are to conduct ourselves our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus. Even though it's with a computer or a mobile keyboard, our words still matter. The things we post open response and reaction are to be consistent with our faith in Jesus. This means if we are not posting to inform, encourage, or empower, then we should be silent. Now hey, I'm not saying that we can't debate issues. I'm not saying that we can't have tough discussions because those do need to take place. But even in those heated conversations, even in those tough debates and tough conversations, we are to reflect the image of Jesus Christ. That means when it gets heated, you don't resort resort to name-calling. You don't resort to pulling up past sins that someone else has committed. Can you imagine if you sat down at the table of God, and, and the first thing God says to us, hey, remember that one time you did this? Remember that one time you did that? He pulls out every one of your past sins and lays them out before you and for everybody at the table. He never does that, does he? He invites you to come sit down and dine with him in his presence. And, and if you've confessed your sin, then he doesn't bring it up. He doesn't even talk to you about it. On side, what sin are you talking about? I don't remember. That's how you and I as believers are to be when we dine, when we sit down together. Whether it's at the table of God, whether it's on Facebook, and even in challenging debates and and tough discussions, we are to reflect the image of Jesus in the words that we use. Now, as James writes in this passage, he tells us it's impossible. Man, Man, we've tamed everything else. But for some reason, we can't figure out how to turn this thing off. We don't know how to put a muzzle on We don't know how to control it. And it's impossible for us. No matter how hard we try, it seems like we're trying to do and say the right thing, but for some reason, we just keep saying stupid things. We keep saying things that hurt other people or are damaging to other people. We recognize how impossible it is to control and the truth is, it's impossible for you and I to do it by ourselves. We do not have that power within ourselves to be able to keep our mouths shut. But I've got a wonderful news for you. It may be impossible for you and I. But what's impossible for you and I is not impossible for God. And that is the same God whose Holy Spirit lives inside of your heart. And He can help you to learn how to discipline your mouth, when to speak, when not to speak. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Remember what happened to King Darius? Is, he makes this hasty decision that, hey, if you, if you pray to anybody else but me, you're going to be thrown into this, into this lion's den. And soon enough, Daniel gets caught praying and and King Darius realizes that, hey, I messed up, this is, this is bad news, but I can't go back on my law now. you got to go in the lion's den, my friend. And the miracle of that story is not what? God doesn't come in and change King Darius' mind and have him full day name out. does that. That's not how God does That's not the miracle of the story. God doesn't have to have the jerks that, that came up with this scoundrel of a plan, and He doesn't have them confess their sins and repent and turn from the way. No, God doesn't do that, does He? That's not the miracle that happens here. The miracle in the story of Daniel and the lion's sin is the fact that God goes to the mouths of these lions. Keep in mind, these lions are hungry. These lions are kept for the sole purpose of executing people. That means they don't feed them unless they feed them people. And the miracle of this story, the story of Daniel and the Lions, did, is the fact that the Spirit of God goes to those lions and he shuts the mouths of their mouths so they cannot devour his servant Daniel. That is the miracle of the story of Daniel and the Lions did. And if God can shut the mouths of hungry lions, seeking to, to, to devour the servant of God, just think what God could do if we let his spirit work in us and through us. He can teach us who to speak and what not to. Many times our words, we, we, we become more like the lions in that story. We devour one another. We devour our enemies, we devour people that offend us, we devour people that are on the opposite side of the truth of it is that is not our job. That's not what you and I are called to do. We are called to reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ through our words. And God wants to shut our mouths so we don't devour one another. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I know we're surrounded by idiots sometimes. They post dumb things. They post things thinking they're smart when they're really not. Like we, we know that, that that candidate on the other side is a moron. We know that that they say and do things that are not glorifying and honor to you, God. But Lord, we're not calling. You haven't called me. You haven't called this people, of this church, to be like them. To follow the pattern of this world, I'll follow, follow the patterns of sin. Lord, you, the us your spirit to be set free. Would you teach us how to use words? Lord, we don't want our words to be instruments of destruction or defeat. But Lord, we want our words to be be like yours. Lord God, we were made in your image. And Lord, when you spoke lightly, was created. When you spoke, the world began to spin into motion. When you spoke, the, the sea separated from the skies. More. When you spoke, life became a thing. It became into existence through your word. And God, that's what you want to teach us. That's the power you want to give us with our words to be able to build up, to lift up, to change, to, to encourage, to empower, to implore God. God, would you help us to tame our tongues and to tame our keywords? So they be unjuiced, honoring to you. Yeah. Now this morning, as we close, maybe the Spirit checked you for something you said this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dirt Pass Sermon Podcast. If you live in or near the Greensburg, Kentucky area or find yourself visiting our community on a Sunday morning, please join us at 10.30 a.m. Central Time at Greensburg Church of Nazarene, located at 31 Bluebird Lane. If you find yourself Responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit through this message, would you please send me a message either through the con- connection card available in the show notes or simply subscribe to the Dirt Path Facebook page and you can send me a message there. I would love to pray for you.